Welcome into another edition of New Track Record Podcast. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney joining you this week. It's May. We're practicing for the Indianapolis 500. We're getting ready for qualifications. But first, time to recap last Saturday's GMR Grand Prix on the IMS road course. Renus VK picking up his first IndyCar win. First win for Ed Carpenter Racing since 2016. Um, When's the last uh, non-oval they won? That is a great question. Um, I'll look that up. I'll just yeah, go. You look that up. Sorry, uh, I just blindsided yeah, you yeah, uh, with you my first comment of the night. I had some some good Renus VK stats. It was uh, he becomes the youngest winner in IndyCar history at IMS because he's only 20 years old. Uh, that was courtesy of Jake Query of the IndyCar Radio Network. Um, also, he won the race on May 15th, which is the same day five years ago that Max Verstappen won his first F1 race. And there are several other firsts and things of note uh, with the race weekend. But uh, let's just get into kind of what we saw, what we thought. I think my first takeaway, honestly, um, was, and I'm sure I'm going to say it wrong because this is apparently a controversial thing. How do you say this guy's name? I thought it was Ramon Grosjean, but it's not Romain and it's not Gross Jeans. <laughs> Big shot, I know that, huh? but I, I just thought it was like Roman. It's not Roman, but like Roman Grosjean. Roman Grosjean. That's what I'm just going with. Flows off. I say Rome. Rome. I don't say Romain. Let me think how I say it normally. Romain. No, <laughs> I, I do say Romain. Romain lettuce. Yeah, it's that's not, not right. Yeah, it's not Romain. <laughs> so it's Ro- Roman. Roman. I, I don't know. I, Ro- I thought it was like Roman, but not Roman. Oh, but not Romaine. I just uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know anything about anything right now anymore. After <laughs> after Roman Grosjean gets second, uh, real quick, the last non-oval win for um, Ed Carpenter Racing, Toronto, twenty fourteen with Mike Conway. Wow. Okay. And they won two road course races that year. Of course, Mike Conway also winning Long Beach that year. Surprised he didn't know that. I yeah no I. I would have forgot. You know, I, I forget about the Mike Conway era, Ed Carpenter Racing, which is weird because he won a lot of races in a handful of years after he decided to quit full-time yeah. competition after you know, that wicked crash at IMS in what? Was that 2011? Yeah, 2011 or 2012. It was interesting that year won two races uh, and and never finished above 11th in any of the other races. So he won one at Long Beach, one at Toronto, and then his... His next best finish was 11th at Detroit. And then didn't he win for Dale Coyne Racing also a different year? Was that? In uh, 13 or 14? Well, I guess it would have been 13. Well, no, he was with Andretti, wasn't he? Bef- in 11, right? Because he yeah. won Long Beach yeah. twice. Correct. He won Long Beach in 2011, I believe. But I th- Hunter A won in 2010. I don't... Th- oh, he won with Coyne, didn't he? The year- yeah. He won with Coin for for one. Was it Detroit? Yeah, I think he won one Detroit race. Yeah, you're right. Mike Conway won a lot of races. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like surprising because after that crash at Indy, everyone just thought, oh, he's stepping away from ovals. Makes sense, but you know, well, there kind of goes his chances. But he was kind of the starter of this road and street course only trend. I mean, was yeah, he not? He was. Um, yeah, and he actually had four wins. 
and three other podiums in his career. So he had more wins than other podiums, not non-win podiums. If that that's, makes sense. That's pretty impressive. But congratulations to Ed Carpenter Racing. So we were kind of skeptical with Renus VK, particularly after Texas last year, going, is this kid ready? Is he good enough, especially to be in a full-time ride? But showed speed. And, and early on was being able to pass guys and go through the field on Saturday. Of course, you were bored out of your mind, but not us watching. Um, you commented to me just how rough a race it was in person, but you had not yet watched it, but you changed your tune after you watched the broadcast. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I thought NBC did a solid job of covering the race. One, I mean, I sat in turn one of the road course, which is, again, exit of turn four of the oval, that's where you want to be, and there is some action. I mean, obviously, the start with Connor Daly and, and Simon Pagino tangling and Graham Rahal getting damaged, which, in person, we saw Graham pit, but I couldn't see the damage they had to his side pod. So, I mean, that kind of changed things. Um, but Yeah, that thing was bouncing around. It was a lot worse than, than I knew. So there's just things that you pick up at the track, and, you know, most racetracks, it's way more fun to be there in person than watch on TV. Yes. And I love going to IMS. Don't get me wrong. But this track, for whatever reason, uh, going to the the road course race, it has just not been very entertaining in person. But again, I go back and watch it on TV, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. And, you know, those passing throughout the field, there was a pass for the lead, uh, a couple passes for the lead, in fact. Uh, there was strategy. There was... Uh, you know, drama at the front, drama towards the back. I mean, there was action all over the place. So whether NBC polished a turd and made it sound really good or, you know, it's just a, was a lot better to uh, to watch on TV than be in person. I, I mean, I, I thought it was a solid race. Yeah, I, I did, too, uh, once I watched it back on NBC. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's always great to be at the track. Was Don't there stuff wrong. that you that you missed Obviously, you're going to miss some things with being a road course at Indy, but were there things that happened that you didn't realize happened? Well, I didn't know Graham had damage to his side pod, for example. Um, I mean, you can't see anywhere going into, what is it? Is it turn seven off that little short straightaway? Yeah. Um, You can't see anything over in that section. I mean, I'm watching on the video board, but I mean, you can only catch so much of it. And following the strategy was not an issue because I'm using the IndyCar app on my phone to kind of track what's going on. But it's just, I don't know. The, I, th- I thought NBC did a good job. I don't feel like they missed a whole lot. Um, I think that's kind of what made it different. Right. I mean, a- absolutely. So uh, it wasn't the, the epic rain race from a couple years ago, but I thought it was an entertaining race and a good start to... The three weeks at Indy. I would agree. So my first takeaway, and I think you're in agreement, what a weekend for however you say his name. Mr. Grosjean. Mr. Grosjean. Um, winning the pole, that was, I mean, qualifying was a, very exciting. Uh, you had a different kind of lineup in, in the Firestone Fast Six, uh, New Garden being the, I think, one of the exceptions. Uh, Alex Pillow has really come along. Um, we can get more on that later. Connor but Daly, Scott McLaughlin. Yeah. Jack Harvey. And then VK, who we thought would make the Fast Six, did not. Um, But Grosjean, I mean, from winning the pole and how he did it to... Leading the most laps. Yeah, leading the most laps, holding off Newgarden at the start. I mean, I thought for sure Newgarden's going to pass him 
going into turn one. I mean, and it was said it was Harvey passing Newgarden for yeah, second. And look, I, I know it's a little different between ovals and road courses uh, in terms of the start, but we saw a cluster of a start at Texas with some vets up there, and then we see. Grosjean take the field to green and execute it to perfection. Now, I, I know, granted, one's not the same as the other, but, man, he, he came flying out of that final turn, started the race comfortably. Uh, there was some drama behind him, but uh, he did phenomenal. And I think going in with our season preview, I think we both kind of agreed um, – Best case for him, like he gets a podium. Like we expect him to compete, you know, for top tens. That was not the issue, but I think we both said, you know, he could maybe sneak into a podium. Well, race three, he's already achieved that. Absolutely, and it wasn't by fluke. It wasn't, um, you know, you know, attrition or a fuel number or whatever. It was legit quickness out of uh, out of Grosjean, and it was it was cool to see. I mean, just the excitement on his face and that team getting the pole and, you know, the cheers that he got post-race and then him realizing he were, they were cheering him post-race. That was really cool to watch on the TV broadcast. I saw people tweet about that. Obviously, I mean, at the track, I, I didn't know that's what was happening. Yeah. But to see that, see the reaction was really cool. And, you know, I think he was happy you know, with the result and what happened. But I think, you know, moving forward, he realizes that, this Dale Coyne racing with Rick Ware racing car is capable of doing things, which, I mean, Coyne, they put together a solid package. And with Nurtech, the the sponsor, and I think it's like a migraine medication, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. they've set, signed on for the full season, which is, I mean, that's not really a surprise. It's on the, the cup car for Rick Ware racing. But, you know, with the, the primary sponsor signed on, the exposure that got, I mean, F1 social media, um, had some some tweets and some different posts on that. So this captured a lot of attention. Yeah, and, and let's talk Roman Grosjean big picture mm-hmm. real quick because when it was initially announced that he was coming to IndyCar and everybody was judging him based on his time at Haas and how he was accident-prone and all he's going to do is be, be the same in IndyCar and he's got no talent and blah, blah, blah. I mean, where are those people now? Because he's brought three whole cars back in one piece and three races at tracks that he's unfamiliar with. I mean, he'd never raced at Barber. He'd never raced at St. Pete. And granted, the Indy road course is more of a European style, but he'd never raced at the road course. And here he is coming home 10th, 13th, and then a a podium finish at at the Grand Prix. I mean, this is a guy that's already exceeded expectations for year one, and we're not hearing a lot of those people that were kind of moaning and groaning and saying, you know, here we go, Grosjean's going to take out half the field every other week in IndyCar. He's not put a wheel wrong in his three races, and he's really, really not only performing for that team, but also having a lot of fun and bringing a healthy amount of energy, I feel, to the series, too. Him and Jimmy Johnson. I think, you know, a lot of people are still harping on this rookie class and their accolades, prior to IndyCar. Let's talk about the infusion of of positivity they're bringing in. Romain Grosjean, at every opportunity, is talking up IndyCar. Same with Jimmy Johnson. Scott McLaughlin loves what he's doing. I mean, all three of these guys have become great ambassadors to their to the series in just their first year. Yeah, and they all bring in a separate audience that I mean, probably has been exposed to IndyCar before, but it gives fans a, a reason to tune in and, and to follow the sport, which is, again, like you said, positive. And we had so many positive storylines this offseason, and it's good to see that already one of these guys, I mean, uh, both, really, I mean, with Scott McLaughlin, 
uh, finishing second in one of the Texas races. I mean, we're seeing the results already. And with Grosjean, I know he he said, well, we're looking at houses, you know, in the U.S., talking about his career here. And then he later said that was a joke. But also he said that he's really enjoying his time and would even consider running the Indy 500. I mean, again, he has to have an oval test first. But I think I, I, I expect him to be back in IndyCar next year, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And I feel like right now, if you made me predict, I would say both Grosjean and Jimmy Johnson are in the Indianapolis 500 next year. Yeah, I I would tend to agree with you on that as well. So Grosjean, my, my first takeaway, what's your first takeaway? Well, I'll take Renus VK then. All right. Um, another name that we're not going to try to pronounce, uh, Renus's given name, but just a phenomenal drive. And um, it, it, it's... It's amazing to see the first-time winners, and then, two, you know, it's another young first-time winner. You take out Scott Dixon, and the first four of the five winners this year are an average age of 21 years old. 21.5, I feel. Like, it's it's an incredible number. And, you know, Renus VK, we, we forget still how young he is at age 20 because he's raced, I think he's going on his 20th race now over two years, and had shown speed, got a podium, at the road course last, uh, what was it, last August, September? It was the Harvest? October. GP, October. Um, so he had shown signs of that, and and I think at a top five earlier in the year um, at the road course. So Yes, and let's not forget he won the poll for one of the Harvest GP races. That's right. So, I mean, it shouldn't be totally unexpected because of how comfortable he looked in 2020 at the road course, but just how he drove that car... And, um, and and did some passing, got some got some great pit stops, and brought it home. Uh, it, it's it's an infusion of energy to Ed Carpenter Racing that I feel is much needed. We we know about the the car that goes back and forth, whether it's Ed or Connor, whoever's in that seat. This is their lone full time entry, and I feel like you, you can get a win here. It can really propel you into the future, and I think you know. Adding a young driver to that stable that is a winner is, is I think, a phenomenal addition because, I mean, really, when could you last say that since, I mean, New since Garden. Newgarden, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's they had Veach in there and Jordan King in there and Spencer Piggott in there and, and Ed Jones. Ed Jones. And it was like trying to find that next youngish driver that is going to be able to perform. And they couldn't find him. And potentially they have one now in Rina Zubike. Yeah, I, I came away very impressed, especially with him starting further back, um, how he was able to, one, keep it clean on the start, gain some spots. And then just the pit stops were, I think, exceptional for him and his team. That helped a lot. And then, you know, he got by Grosjean, and then he was gone. I mean, Grosjean closed the gap toward the end, and on the broadcast they were talking about fuel for VK, which, again, had no idea being at the track, anything about that. Uh, But with Bourdais, a lap car in between, it never really got that close. Now, had Bourdais not been there, and Grosjean was on blacks to end the race, was he not? Yes. So that I mean that maybe hurt, there could have been a chance, you know, in the final handful of laps. But I, I don't think VK was going to be caught. No, I don't think so. I mean that sh- that car showed speed all week and showed speed all race, and uh, I think it was his race to win 
and he took advantage. And that's that's the big thing in this series. When you have a car that is good enough to win a race, you have to capitalize. And Renus VK did that last Saturday. All right, my second takeaway, I got to go with Graham Rahal. Finishing in fifth, obviously we mentioned the contact he had on the opening lap. Uh, he was mad at his team. Great radio. That <laughs> yeah. was great. Mad at his team. Uh, the strategy was kind of, I mean, he was questioning it, and it didn't seem like anyone was going to be able to do a two-stop, and everyone ended up doing a three-stop. In fact, in fact, Scott Dixon, uh, they were planning to do it, but they couldn't you know, make that happen, and he drove to ninth. But Graham, I mean, he was, after that pit stop early on, and they were, they were following Dixon, I mean, Graham was just running around so far behind. I mean, he was 25 to 30 seconds behind on, on the restart. Yeah. Uh, so... What he was able to do to finish with a fifth place, I mean, he's had a really strong start to the season now. Uh, led some laps at Texas, has had a couple of top fives. I just think, you know, if he could just get back to victory lane, could he be a contender? I mean, he's, what, fifth in the championship at the moment? Right. Uh, he, he's close, but it's just like he can't quite make that next step. I mean, he's close, but it also... Would catch me by surprise if Graham Murray Hall won a race at the same time. Like, I don't want to say I'd be shocked, but at the same time, yeah. going into weekends, I'm not factoring him in uh, as a factor very much. Yet you look at his performance, and nine of the last ten races dating back to last year, he's finished ninth or better. But but, but only issue, one of those were on a podium. Yeah, the, the issue, again, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, and, and Graham knows it too. I mean, it's not like... This is some surprising thing. Qualifying. Exactly. Qualifying. He he qualified 11th, which is actually pretty solid for him. We know he's going to drive through the field, especially on a road course event. But if he could qualify, you know, top eight, I think those race wins would come. I agree. I feel like he's, you know, he's one of the most consistent drivers on track and making passes. But unfortunately, he's just starting too far back to really get up there and mix it up with, with, the, uh, with the leaders. But... You know, sitting in fifth, like you mentioned, Caleb finished sixth in points last year. I feel a win or two this year with how he's consistently bringing home top tens, he could be a factor late in the year. Yeah, I, I think so. But again, Graham was was impressive, especially from how much he had to make up. So that was my second takeaway. All right. Am I up? Yes. All right. Time for some negativity here. <laughs> um, let's talk Connor Daly. Uh, finishes right. last, 25th, uh, due to the contact early. Um, everybody got through turn one in one piece, but you know that was about it. it was a turn three, four-ish, had, had the incident. Um, and it was a phenomenal week up till then for Connor Daly. You know, got into the fast six, started sixth, but just had a bad start. Uh, was fading back already after the uh, crossing the yard of bricks was probably eighth or ninth maybe even tenth by the time he got caught up in an incident and he's just while we talked about maximizing your potential maximizing the weekend and connor daly had a car to mix it up up front and at least bring home a top five or something and a bad start puts him in a bad position and then he finishes in last and I I I I love Connor Day. I love his attitude. I love his personality. I think he's got talent, 
but how many chances do you get to prove that talent? I think it was another missed opportunity last Saturday for Connor Daly, and eventually you just run out of opportunities. And and with a team and and jumping around like he is between two teams, you're not going to get a lot of opportunities to showcase what you can do on track. And he blew another one of those chances on Saturday. Yeah in an incident that wasn't really his fault, but it was his fault for not getting a good start and staying out of the trouble that ensued. Yeah, especially when you're starting... What did he start? Sixth? Sixth, yeah. Yeah, you're starting the fast six. I mean, I understand that he got hit from Pagano, but also, I mean, Daly was there... Correct me if I'm wrong here, because I watched the replay several times. It looked like he was also loose going into the turn where... There was some some brake smoke. Yeah, yeah. I don't think tires. he was. Yeah, I don't think he was completely blameless. So, for sure. at least the car wasn't. Uh, again, great opportunity. New sponsor, as you mentioned, seemed like the time that he's going to put together a really good result. I guess it, at least he stays with the same same team for the five hundred and has a great opportunity. I mean, look, the Ed Carpenter cars are going to be fast for qualifying. I don't think right. we have a doubt on that. It's just a matter of can he perform on race day. A couple of years ago when he was with Andretti, he was running top five a lot of the race. Uh, There's a late issue. Was that on a restart that he had, I think? And he finished 10th, which, again, still really solid. I think it was his best 500 finish to date. But he needs a solid performance, not just, you know, for his career, as you mentioned, but also you got to keep the Air Force happy. Yeah. You don't um, want to get on the bad side of the Air Force. No. Ed Carpenter um, Racing happy. I mean, yeah. I mean, to, to get an opportunity, which we thought, you know, maybe Connor Daly could be in a conversation for a full-time car at Carpenter going forward. Maybe it's Carlin. You know, since that, you know, five, you know, since, uh, you know, Carlin, he was solid last year, I feel. Won a pole. Yeah, I mean. Had some top tens. Had several top tens at the Ovals. I think his worst finish on the Oval was 12th or 13th with Carlin mm-hmm. at one of the Iowa races. But, you know, road courses have not been his friend. Texas, I get he was caught up in some bad situations. But once again, you put yourself back there, you get caught up in those things. And the opportunities are limited for every single driver to maximize them. That's how these drivers make it or break it in the career. And I feel like. One opportunity was let go, another one for Connor Daly last Saturday. And, you know, at least this week through practice, we've seen pace out of Connor Daly. This is another opportunity that you can't afford to really not take advantage of coming up. Yeah, I, I would agree. He's 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 got a car that's capable of getting a top ten at Indy and maybe even competing, at least so we think so far. It seems like we don't know anything yet. We don't know the what early part thing. of of practice uh, this week. But Which I guess is, is good. We'll get a little bit more to it here in a little bit, but it's 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 refreshing to go into the Friday, Fast Friday, and think, you know, there's no overly really slow cars that you can point to and say, okay, they definitely don't have pace heading into the weekend. But also no one that's, you know, the Ganassi cars have been strong, the Ed Carpenter cars have been strong, but no one that's really sticking out so far above everyone else that, okay, this team's probably going to win the poll. We just don't know which driver. Yeah, absolutely. And and even then, like today, you know, Thursday, you could point to Foyt not having pace, but yesterday was a little bit different. So, you know, each day is different, it feels like. Yes. Uh, my third takeaway, um, I'm going to go negative as well. And again, oh, I'm going to go with uh, Andretti Autosport. What? Can we, can we talk about how, yes, uh, Alexander Rossi had a decent result, got a seventh place. 
Um, that's great. He did not qualify well. Um, but, I mean, that's their highest finisher. And they're supposed to be one of the, the big teams, the top teams. And I get that the other teams competing for that so-called big three, Ray Hall, which Graham Ray Hall had a top five, and then Aaron McLaren SP, which was also a no-show. I mean, that could be your your next one for all that matters. Yeah. Um, but uh, Andretti Autosports' start to the season is just – Outside of Colton Herta's St. Pete performance, won the pole, won the race, he was dominant. Outside of that, though, I mean, this this team has really struggled, and it's not like one driver's having a bad season. It's several guys. I mean, Rossi is 14th in points. Um, again, like you mentioned, some guys got caught up in crashes at Barber and at Texas, but also they were starting in the back. Yeah. So the qualifying hasn't been there outside of, obviously, Herta winning the pole, and James Hinchcliffe has just I mean, had an abysmal season. Is he racing? I mean, is he in the series? Because his best finish was a seventeenth at Barber, and wasn't he caught up in that opening? Yeah, lap crash? I mean, it was attrition that kind of helped him out. So, I mean, yes, he's on track, but he's not been not in just been a non factor. He's been invisible out yeah. there. I mean, this is not what was expected when James Hinchcliffe was brought back to Andretti Autosports. So, through the first five week five races of the season it's let a lot to be desired and then if you looked at the combined results of practice and i know we we can talk about toe and no toe it's james hinchcliffe down in 27th out of 35 so um you know there's a lot of questions throughout this week so you know when's james hinchcliffe going to turn it on but to your to your point caleb he's not the only one in edgeready autosport no he's not the only one ryan hunter ray led some laps uh that was due to pit cycling actually had a I thought he'd have a better result, honestly, uh, but he came in 12th. Uh, that's his second best race of the year. He was 10th in the second Texas race, but that's that's his only top 10 of the season. Uh, Rossi has a 9th and 8th, a 7th with a 21st and a 20th, and again, he got caught up in some stuff uh, at St. Pete. He tangled with Graham Rahal, racing incident there. Texas 2, of course, caught up in that opening lap uh, crash. And then Colton Herta has been pretty feast or famine. He was looking like he'd have a top 10, maybe even as high as 7th or 8th. He made a mistake, went off track not once but twice in the closing, what, 15 laps? So yeah. he finished 13th, was looking to lead the charge that day, ends up being Rossi in 7th. Uh, but it, it's just it's very disappointing because the, the speed has been there at some tracks, but at others it, it just seems like the cars are inconsistent. I guess is how I'd say it. Yeah, very much. And, you know, this is around the time of year, once we get past the 500 and into the dog days of summer, when we start wondering if Andretti Autosport is stretched too thin. And then last year, you know, we were like, well, they're stretched too thin. And then they go out, they dominate qualifying for the Indy 500, but they don't win the race. And Hinchcliffe was the best finisher in, what, he gets sixth, seventh last year at Indy. Yeah. Um you had guys crash during the 500. Um, your, your pole sitter completely faded, starting with the opening lap. And over the course of the season, I mean, Rossi still hasn't won a race since Road America in 2019. We're, we're coming up on two years there. Yeah. And Hunter Ray hasn't won since the end of the 2018 season. Um, you have to wonder if this is his last full-time year. And Hinchcliffe, who we thought would be competitive, you know, get some top tens, right? I mean... I'm not expecting him to win maybe more, you know, maybe win a race this season, but I figured he could compete for top 10s pretty consistently, and he's just been, like you said, invisible. 
Uh, it's, it's a disappointing start to the season, but again, the Indy 500 can change your fortunes, and maybe it changes starting with this weekend. And 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 two, the Indy 500 could be a bubble too. I mean, let, let's say Andretti Autosport goes out and wins next Sunday, and that's great, and that's really what matters. I, you know, Indy 500 over a championship every day of the week, but we could see going back to mediocrity after the 500. So when you look at Andretti Autosport. We expect Colton Herta to be in the conversation each and every week, but we're reaching a point where it almost is surprising if somebody else is up there. Hinchcliffe's been a non-factor. Same with Hunter Ray. Rossi's reaching that point, as you mentioned, going on two years without a win. Um, you're almost just looking at, in terms of consistent contenders with Andretti Autosport, you have a single bullet in the gun, and that's Colton Herta. Yeah, and... And Andretti Autosport locked him up to a multi-year extension through 2023. Uh, that was announced over the weekend. We thought, oh, what is this uh, partner announcement? So Herta back with Gamebridge and Andretti Autosport for the next couple of seasons. So that's good for them because they are able to retain their top employee as far as the driver's side goes. Yeah, right. And maybe, you know, could we see some movement around Colton Herta in 2022? I feel it's like it's a definite at this point, in my mind, there's going to be some. I, I I expect at least two new full-time drivers next year for Andretti Autosport. All right, what's your final takeaway? What is my final takeaway? How about Alex Pillow? Let's talk Alex Pillow here for a little bit. And and when he won um, the season opener at Barber, we felt it was a good story. But did he have staying power? We mentioned, you know, in past years when the season started at St. Pete, when Sebastian Bourdais would win the opener and does he have staying power and as the season went on we found no he didn't yet here we are going into the indy 500 qualifying weekend with alex below sitting second in points he's 15 points clear of joseph newgarden 13 points behind scott dixon he has three top fives in five races and let's go through it he, he wins at barber he has the fastest lap at st pete and he has pole at Texas 1, and he had the fastest lap at Texas 2. So he's been in the conversation each and every race, comes home with a third place at the Grand Prix. Uh, this is a guy that I feel like I was skeptical at the beginning of the season. And yes, I know we're not in June, July, when we'll really get the championship picture put into place and set it up for the stretch run. But man, Alex Pillow is hanging around and in a comfortable position entering qualifying in the Indianapolis 500, whereas I had my doubts even after that win at Barber. Oh, same. I thought it was, well, we, we thought Felix was going to be the next guy in the 10 car. And, you know, he won a race and we thought, okay, 10 cars back to victory lane. Check. Now they have a, a, a guy who can, you know, no one's going to go toe to toe with Dixon. I mean, they, there's just not, not a guy out there that I think Ganassi can can afford to pay quite honestly yeah, to, yeah, to do right. that uh with target out of the mix uh but below has been has been surprising and he's been consistent and i think that is the the difference whereas rosenquist seemed to be more feast or famine when he was in the 10 car yeah absolutely so when we look at you know the the issues um with ganassi going forward um 
we thought maybe it was Alex Plow, or you were kind of sketchy on Alex Plow, but <laughs> I um, was not sold on the team as a whole going into the season. Right. And so far, I've looked like an idiot. <laughs> but well, you know, usually that's my job. But it's nice to uh, have some company. But you know, we th- I was of the opinion Mar- Marcus Erickson was the guy that was kind of on the chopping block, and you know, so far that definitely could be a possibility with Erickson sitting eleventh in points. He's been steady, but not spectacular. And I feel like yet yeah, Chip Ganassi, you need to be spectacular and he just hasn't had it i'm not worried about him as long as the check clears <laughs> well yeah we have some news on on checks that haven't cleared and some some updates but i mean when we talk roman grosjean um and potentially his teammate could be on deck we've mentioned this before but kevin magnuson um with the success that roman grosjean is finding could we see magnuson in a seat at Ganassi next year. I, I know it's too early to talk silly season. No, wait, it's never too early no, never. to start silly season. But I'm saying Alex Pelot's looking like he is in for the long haul at Ganassi, whereas I feel like Marcus Erickson could be that guy out because I have to feel that Kevin Magnuson would bring some money and maybe enough money to uh, to replace Marcus Erickson. Yeah, and I, I again, we all thought that Magnuson would move from the sports car team on Ganassi to, uh, right? He is on their sports yeah, car sports team. Yeah, sports car team right okay. now, yeah. We all thought that, yeah, it was only a matter of time before he got the IndyCar opportunity. And I think that is still true. Um, but maybe, I mean, Erickson, I, I feel like he starts kind of slow and then he, he gets real consistent at the end of a season. Um, I feel like he's got to do that yeah, this year. I mean, he's, he's got to find it. What was he in points last year? Was he 11th, 12th? Uh, good question. He, was... he finished 12th last year. Okay. So, I mean, that's solid considering, I mean, the, the entries in the top, quote-unquote, top three teams, which I I think we need to uh, rethink that. Yeah. I think it's an antiquated conversation talking to the, the big three, I feel. But I, I think Erickson, again, if he can finish top 12, I think that's good enough to keep the seat. I really do. Really, I, I, you you love Marcus Erickson, you and R, and R C Enerson too. We'll get to that point. You are you are loving these guys, but uh, I I feel like with just one podium in in three years for Marcus Erickson in IndyCar, uh, he's going to have to have some results the rest of the year. He's going to have to get on the podium a couple times, maybe even get a win to secure his job. But as we've seen, even a win doesn't guarantee you coming back to Chip Ganassi Racing. True, and the podium was not with Chip Ganassi Correct. racing. It was with uh, Schmidt, wasn't it? Yeah, Arrow, Arrow Schmidt, Schmidt Peterson, Peterson back then. Motorsports, yes. or, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> pre McLaren days. True. So, but yeah, I'm uh, going back to Palo. Been very impressed. Um, we'll see if he can keep it going here over the next couple of weeks with qualifying in the 500. But uh, you know, Ganassi won two in points heading into qualifying weekend. When's the last time we could say that? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's probably been a while. Um, some some other notes on the race. One, uh, that VK going three wide uh, to make the, the pass. That was exciting. Um, also, some notes on VK himself. This from the TSO Ladder uh, Twitter account. Renus VK, the first driver to win on all four levels of the road to Indy. I did not know that. Me neither, but that that's is cool. stellar stat. Also, Tony DeZeno, uh, Aaron McLaren SB and ECR have a win for Chevy before Penske does this year. Benski had been the only Chevy IndyCar team winner each of 2017 through 2020. 
Yeah, Penske wow. 0 for 5 on the season. I think that is a surprise. Also, this from Nathan Brown of the Indy Star. Renus VK, now the sixth youngest winner ever in IndyCar history at 20 years, 8 months, and 3 dates. Uh, three days. So, uh, youngest IndyCar winner at IMS, sixth youngest in IndyCar history. Um, let's see. What else do we have to, to talk? Oh, uh, Carlin. <laughs> we have not oh, mentioned man. this. So they were withheld from the event officially on the box score. Did not participate. Um, travel issues, so to speak. Uh, you, you know, conspiracy theories abound. You were kind of skeptical, skeptical of that reasoning. Skeptical, but I guess I do buy it. But why would you have travel issues? I, I get it that Max probably went back to England. Right. Um, but, I mean, it wasn't like this was a long layoff. I mean... No, we just had a week uh, off in between, between Texas and the GP. So Here's a question for you. Are, is Max Chilton's absence from last week due to quote-unquote travel issues linked to Gallagher no longer being a sponsor? I don't think so. Um, and, and that whole thing, I mean, they, Gallagher... Someone tweeted Nathan Brown that, well, Gallagher's not on the transporter any- anymore, and they've had this match fit pass on the car, which that was on the car with Connor Daly at Texas. Uh, so, I mean, supposedly it was it was said that this was planned or they yes. knew about it. I, you know, I, I don't know what to believe, but it's just weird all around. It is. It is weird, and they they have match fit pass and then uh, trackside online which you should subscribe if you've not done so they have a good explainer on everything for carlin basically they're saying that um they're thankful for gallagher um but they're working with match fit pass and xcds for the remainder of the 2021 season so it was also xcds's extended collaboration document systems uh, match fit pass um i do something with like tickets uh, digital tickets or something yeah um, i look them up so um they're set to be on the card the rest of the season so they've apparently taken care of this um primary sponsorship with gallagher has come to an end is what they said so i'll i'll buy the story because obviously i mean if they're off the car off the transporter clearly that sponsor agreement's over i mean they would be on the car as like a secondary thing, right? If they were still sponsoring the team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's weird. And, and you know, maybe a, a sense of secure of concern for Carlin going forward. But, you know, at least they have a sponsor. It seems they're OK. But I, I think you and I are in agreement. Look, Max Chilton at Carlin made sense as long as the checks kept coming. Now, if the checks are no longer coming, in my mind, it makes no sense to have Max Chilton in that ride. Well, and to clarify the, the check from Gallagher. Correct, yes. Because his dad was the CEO of Gallagher. That's right. His dad is, as far as I know, is a one of the owners of Carlin Racing, like the team as a whole, which yeah. competes not just in IndyCar and Indy Lights, but also in Europe in, in multiple series. But no longer with Gallagher, his dad, correct? Correct. He is not with Gallagher. I guess he has a new position and IndyCar Deep Throat uh, also sent me something on on the whole Chilton deal. And I guess he, he said that, you know, you may have forgotten, but this was apparently planned um, 
Carlin was only getting the remaining of the sponsorship money for the rest of the year from Gallagher. Not too sure about ownership of the car, but I do know that he, that's talking Graham Chilton, is moving into a new corporate position with an undisclosed company. So, again, uh, if they truly have sponsorship for the rest of the season, that's great. But missing a race is going to be a red flag. And, you know, the the next question you have, of course, is, well, how does this affect leader circle? Um, a, a, according to IndyCar... Jay Fry uh, saying that it will not knock them out of the leader's circle money race. You have 24 cars vying for the top 22 to get the funding. Obviously not going to help. No. So <laughs> we'll see how that plays out, I, I guess. Uh, Chilton, again, is, is competing for practice for the 500, so they, and they didn't have any issues there. But it's just it's not... Not not a good situation. Well, you look at it, and they're dead last in, in owner standings, and this is a cool thing that's on uh, on Wikipedia now for IndyCar Series. You can look at those individual cars because it is kind of confusing when you're when you're you know between two cars, you know, two drivers, one car. Carlin, that fifty nine sitting at thirty two points, and it's behind Kellett, uh, Kellett at thirty eight, and the twenty nine. Of Andretti at 44. That's James Hinchcliffe. Yes. He's in the last slot. He is in the danger zone. But, um, you know, going forward with with uh, with Carlin, if they're, and we've said this before, okay, if they're going to make this work, if they're going to show any signs of improvement in this series and growth, uh, they have to find a better driver. I, I don't even know if that's Connor Daly in a full seat. I would give Connor Daly a shot um, because he's shown some some talent obviously in the ovals but uh, you're not going anywhere with max chilton but unfortunately if you're relying on chilton money then you're kind of in a bad spot you got to keep taking the money and putting the kid in the seat yeah they're kind of at a crossroads i mean they they came into indycar with big plans and they struggled a bit but charlie kimball put together some solid results toward the end of that first season uh, back when it was he and Chilton running full time for Carlin, what was that, 2018? Yeah. And it just, I mean, it, it's just kind of faded since then, since the end of that first season when there was some promise. I just um, feel like you you got to find a, a steady sponsor that's not tied to any type of nepotism. I feel like that's <laughs> that's the start. I feel like you, and, and maybe that's getting, hiring a driver and you got to go driver first, then get the sponsor. Um, maybe that's the case, but I just don't know financially if Carlin's in a position to do that. Yeah, I I don't know, but you know, I don't think Chilton's bringing these new sponsors on, is he? No, I wouldn't think so. Maybe they are. Unless his at dad's a point, next company is going to be splattered on the side of the car and the tr- transporter. True. I don't know that that could be true. And so far, though, they've fared pretty well. I know I picked him as one of my early picks to miss the race, and that was before all the GP stuff, uh, but. We'll we'll see. I mean, it's it's one thing to have a decent practice time; it's another to get it done in qualifying. And he's missed the race before. Let's not forget. Yeah, I mean, uh, sitting overall thirtieth in combined uh, practice speeds out of thirty five. So again, um, no toe. You know, these are, these are toe as opposed to no toe. I get that, but you know, not showing pace in traffic, it's difficult to look at a driver and say, okay they got a promising race day ahead even if they make it the other thing uh that i want to mention poor jack harvey you know going into the race i thought all right could this be jack harvey's day um 
You know, I, I thought Newgarden was going to win, but if if Harvey had a good start, I'm thinking, okay, maybe could this be his day? Could he finally win a race? He gets by Newgarden at the start. He moves into second. He's running well. Then halfway pace. through, uh, he comes into the pits. There's what a, a an issue on was it the right rear? And then he stalled it briefly. And then there was the flat. Yeah, and, and then it his just race uh, was over. compounded. Yeah, so. Uh, that's the thing. I, I feel like when you're talking about the growth and development of a race program, you start being competitive and then you have to put that complete race together, right? And we've seen uh, Harvey's and, and that team, you know, they show pace, they, they show, but they just cannot put together a complete race. And uh, it's cost Harvey here, there, that, or the other. I feel it's inevitable until he gets his, his, his first win. And, you know, maybe this is both a reflection on Jack Harvey, but also potentially a reflection on Andretti Autosport, is I feel like I'm putting Jack Harvey uh, in a category where he would be the most likely either Andretti or Andretti-affiliated driver to win a race next, even above Alexander Rossi at this point. Yeah. I mean, um, at the I, very I least, he's in the conversation. He had that issue at Texas when he was running strong in race two. He was seventh at Texas one, fourth at St. Pete, 11th at Alabama. Last season, he had a, a string of top tens uh, early on in the season and, and finished, you know, yeah, he was 15th in points, but I feel like he showed a lot better than that. Yeah. First full-time season. And then the season before, I mean, he had the podium, the NDGP in 2019. I mean, that's a game changer for a program like that. So... Yeah, I I think he's he's got an opportunity. Ninth of the Indy 500 last year. I think he's got a good race car. I think that team has good race cars for qualifying, and having Elio as a teammate's not going to hurt. So yeah, I mean, I could I could see it. I feel from Iowa on from Iowa last year onwards to now, other than Colton Herta, Jack Harvey has been the most consistent Andretti or Andretti affiliated driver. I I would agree with that. I mean, it's it's not been Rossi. <laughs> no, it is not. Still uh, waiting. Other notes on the GP uh, TV rating time, which it was mysteriously uh, kind of not out there for several Delayed days. a while for this one. Uh, but not not incredible, but also not bad. 1.033 million viewers for the GMR Grand Prix. Uh, good news, above a million viewers, which I think is a key benchmark uh, it's the number. Magic number. However, it was below last year's race, which was run in July on Fourth of July weekend. That was also a lead into what the nationwide race and, and cup. Yeah. Uh, that got one point one four five, also down from twenty nineteen one point oh seven three million. Uh, that had the thrilling rain uh, race finish between Dixon and Pagano. But but again, you 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 beat out uh, the season opener at Barber with this. You're down slightly from St. Pete. Uh, obviously up from Texas because those are on NBCSN. But again, I think you got above a million. That's all you can ask for, especially on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, you mentioned it. It's just not a good time slot. Um, but getting over a million, I think that's that's good. So one thing I would like to see, we didn't touch on this last week, Caleb, but um, you know, usually this race falls on Mother's Day weekend, so it's understandable that the race is on Saturday. Uh, you know, originally, I feel like practice started on Monday, so they needed that Sunday to configure. 
Then the first day of practice moved to Tuesday, but it was Mother's Day weekend, so they said, okay, we're taking Sunday off. We'll come back on Tuesday. Now, I feel like this past weekend, I don't understand why the race wasn't moved to Sunday. I don't know why it was a Saturday race. And I know you mentioned last week um, that NBC had NHL almost all day on Sunday. But in terms of crowd, in terms of that, I mean, should it have been a Sunday race? I, I mean, I think I it would have fared better. But again, if hockey, it wasn't on NBC. Yeah, it wouldn't have been on on NBC. I thought the crowd in person was excellent. Really? Yeah. I it thought, was tough to judge because there was nobody on the mounds or anything. So. Yeah. I, I thought the crowd in the Saints was a lot more than I would have expected. Nice. Was it and because know, you couldn't be in the mounds? So you think that crowd um, was more... Probably partly. Sun? And okay. also just, I mean, the track being open. And I know Nathan Brown of the Indy Star mentioned something earlier in the week that their race week sales have been were up um, going into the race day over day compared to 2019 as far nice. as like the week of the race and then they were expecting about 25,000 which is pretty solid especially considering the pandemic and, and everything with that um, so yeah I just think a lot of people wanted to get back out to the track and that was their opportunity to do so for the first time in over a year it looked good at least on on television in the in the grandstands unfortunately you couldn't have anybody in the in the infield but I thought it was a good turnout but yeah I'd I'm I'm wondering if no matter what uh, the schedule looks like going year to year, this race will always stay a Saturday, or is there some wiggle room there? Because I felt like there potentially could have been this past weekend. Yeah, I, I think, like you mentioned, it, it was odd to move it to Saturday, but it was the lead into the Preakness, and also with playoff hockey, I just I don't think the TV space was there. Period. The pre, you, you know, it's interesting. The Indy 500 and the Preakness. Caleb, I was uh, looking this up today at work. The most expensive sports trophies in the world, or the you know estimated value of different trophies, and the two most expensive are the Borg Warner Trophy and the trophy awarded to the winner of the Preakness. Really? Yes. The Preakness is like kind of the. The middle tier race. I mean, the Derby is the, you know, the big one, and then the Belmont Stakes only matters if there's been a horse that wins the first two legs. Yes, uh, that's, I was that's wondering surprising. that too. Uh, looked it up. I'm trying to remember what the name of the trophy is, but it is a 30 pound vase made of sterling silver. Whoa! Made by Tiffany and Company. <laughs> so that's, why. that's your answer. It's valued. It is called the called the Woodlawn Vase. It is valued at three point eight million dollars. The wow. Borg Warner Borg Warner Trophy second at a measly one point three million dollars. But that's isn't the Borg Warner also sterling silver? I don't know. Is it? Is it all sterling silver? I I'm not sure. Um, all I know is. Tiffany and Company did not make the Borg Warner Trophy. <laughs> True. So, not saying it's uh, it's junk. It it is the second most valuable trophy in the world behind the Woodland Woodlawn Vase, the Stanley Cup, a measly six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I would have guessed that one would have been up. A I lot thought higher. so too, but uh, I thought that was interesting because, like you, I saw the Preakness Trophy going why, um, but yeah, that's the reasoning 
Uh, and it's also older too. I think it was uh, it was made in like 1860, 1861, lot, something like a that. A lot older than the Borg Warner Trophy. Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit older and a little bit um, yeah, fancier. You see that thing, and it has no business around the Indianapolis 500 horse racing. I can see, but take a look, look up the Woodlawn vase and try to envision that as the trophy awarded to the Indy 500 champion. Vase or vase? Uh, well, you know, we're, we're <laughs> Americans here, so we say vase, but more refined countries, you know, our, our Canadian brethren probably say vase. Vase. I, I like to say vase just to mess with people personally. <laughs> uh, one other note on the GP before we wrap up. Uh, Roman Grosjean, or, or Roman, uh, wow, I'm never going to get it right. Mr. Uh, Grosjean. Grosjean, it was his first pole since 2011 in GP2 in Istanbul. What about Roman? Roman Grosjean? I think I think that's what it is, okay. but it's not like Roman. A, not Roman, but you just kind of, you know, Roman. Yeah, carried out a little bit of Roman. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get keep getting wrong. Well, it'll yeah. be Alex Pillow. It took us, you know, months to get that. That one's at least easier. Once someone I forget who tweeted it out, but it was like Pillow rhymes with hello, and there that's you go. that's how I remember it every See? time. Every time. All right. Well, if you uh, if you agree, disagree, have any comments, questions, we'd love for you to find us on social media. Our Twitter handle, IndyCar Podcast. Like us on Facebook. Just search New Track Record. You can also uh, send us an email, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd love to never miss an episode of the show, which we would much appreciate, you can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. And while you're there, sign up for our Weekly email, which will be more than weekly next week. Details on that later. Hey, hey. Um, it's May. We're going to have special episodes, as always. Uh, but uh, that way, you'll never miss an episode subscribing to our email list on NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. You can also find episodes on your favorite podcasting platforms. Of course, Apple Podcasts. Follow us for free on there. And if you're really nice, give us a five-star rating. If you're super nice, write us a review. We'd appreciate it. You can also find us on Spotify. Overcast, Castbox, Player FM, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere you find your podcasts. Okay, time now for the mailbag. What do we got? Well, we we start out with a lot naturally <laughs> on the uh, the GP. Hey hey, and uh, going back though, we we haven't even touched on this because uh-huh. I think it was a foregone conclusion. Toronto uh, canceled for the year. Not a surprise. Uh, posted a poll what will replace Toronto on the schedule. 47% said Mid-Ohio doubleheader, which I think that's what will happen. 5% said Portland doubleheader. 21% said Milwaukee. 27% said Hawaiian Super Prix. So some people are holding out for some uh, bastions of the past. Uh, N.K. Harden says, how many more times does any car race at Toronto? Seems like they may run out the contract and that's it. This race has been on life support for years. I think fans want it, but the city no longer does. You know, that has been the storyline for a long time. Yeah, and yet still it keeps coming back. So, I mean, are are we... You know, a lot of this talk about Toronto going away or not going back is is kind of out of the United States. Like, I don't see very many primary sources or secondary sources in and around Canada saying this. It's more just us down here. So, I, I don't know. Like... Um, you know, let us know if you're if you're listening up in Canada. Like, what's the situation on the ground? Is, is there as as not as much skepticism around this event up there as there is seemingly down here? 
I don't know. Maybe maybe there is. I just I, I just hear a lot from us saying, well, I don't know if this is going to work. But you tell us up there is 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 the writing on the wall? Is IndyCar going away, or do you still feel pretty confident this thing will be back in twenty twenty two? It almost seems like we want it to continue, but we're somehow in a roundabout way rooting for it to fail. <laughs> <laughs> Are we rooting for it to fail? I, I, I like Toronto. I look forward to it. I think it's a great I, event. Any any place that wants to host an IndyCar race, I'm a fan of. So Toronto, if you want us back, we'll keep coming back. I, I'm a fan with the exception of NOLA Motorsports Park. Sorry, you can't host an <laughs> IndyCar race ever again. Do not put me through that. Oh, goodness. R. Cole says, please be mid-Ohio. That would be great since that's one of the races we attend. Or dare I say Michigan. <laughs> no, not happening. Uh, Jordan underscore Wilman. The Ho Chi Minh Trail. <laughs> Nothing better than an endurance trip through Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. That'd be scenic. <laughs> it would. Uh, <laughs> Jensen EV, Indy GP round three, and then in parentheses four. <laughs> uh, Pit Lane Parlay. Uh, what's your angle here? As they, they tweeted, uh, adds Cleveland as option D, send tweets. Um, yeah, that is totally fine. I mean, as long as you throw out you know, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Michigan, Fontana, Kentucky, uh, Pocono, Pocono, yeah, you know, Walt Disney Staples. World, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Vin Designs 2013 Road America doubleheader. I think the fans would love that one, but I I think it'll have to go to a race that is promoted by Green Savory Promotions. Um, yeah, and again, I, that's Portland, Mid Ohio, and that's it because they they already had St. Pete, and then Toronto's their other event. So I, I would think Mid Ohio would be the choice. I would think so, too, particularly since they've done it before recently in mid-Ohio, so I feel it works. But you have to feel sooner rather than later you want to get that information out. You want people to be able to buy two-day tickets and camp for a couple nights and all that stuff. You want to make sure you're giving them advance notice that it's going to be a uh, two-race event as opposed to just one race. I would think we'll have an answer on this either leading up to the Indy 500 or right after, like the week after? I would agree. I I feel like this didn't come out of left field. IndyCars had contingency plans, at least in its back pocket, to then approach uh, Green Savory or whoever if they want a second race. So they're not starting from scratch here. They'll definitely uh, have something in place, I feel, by the end of the month. And uh, Pit Lane Parlay uh, said, as long as one of them is the Marlboro Challenge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Throw Bring back. it back. Bring tobacco sponsorship back. Uh, this from Poet Shevchenko. Ari Ovals, I've given patronage to, not Indy. I went to Pocono in 18 and 19. I think that track didn't have much of an attendance issue. It was going the correct direction year over year. Problem was they started uh, bunching up the field at the start. And he said the years they did the indie style starts with 100-foot spacing between rows. They didn't have the high-profile crashes at the starts. True, they did do the, the three, right. three by three. Which, uh, yeah, um, I feel. And I feel like you look at the crowds that Pocono was bringing in the last couple of years, which I felt was not falling off at the very least and maybe was growing little by little, was exponentially better than what we've seen at Texas the last couple of years. Also, I mean, we need to have Pocono because I need to see the Telestrator of the of the lines of where Takuma Sato did or did not hold his line. <laughs> I mean, that was just Don't yeah. we all miss that? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, obviously with the two with with the with the fatal accident for Justin Wilson and and what happened to Robert Wickens there, I don't know how much that had an impact on going back to Pocono. What do you feel, Caleb? 
I mean, they still race thereafter. They did. I just don't know if the uh, the willingness to race there with the drivers was there. I mean, oh, I I would agree there. Yeah. Now the series, I think, was still willing to race there. Right. I mean, these were unfortunately just freak accidents. Fluke, yeah, freak accidents. Very for sure. fluky, like you said. Especially the Justin Wilson incident. I mean, you know. So I don't know. I mean, if there was any type of doubt on going back to Pocono or any you know lack of interest, you know, the lack of the drivers maybe speaking up to push for Pocono could be a death now. I don't know, but I just I have a hard time thinking the the drivers were rallying together trying to save Pocono whereas I feel maybe they would do that at some other race courses. Yeah, I, I don't think the drivers are missing going to Pocono. Maybe except like Marco and then Sage Karam just because sure. they're, they're from the area. Yeah, definitely. That's that's about it. Uh also Pochevchenko, Ari Tony Stewart and Foyt. If IndyCar Goes to CBS, maybe set SRX and IndyCar up on some shared short oval weekends. Ooh, I know it sounds cliched, but that sounds like something that can actually make a Milwaukee weekend work. That is a great idea. I agree. Hire that man in marketing. <laughs> I I like it. Sign me up. Um, this uh, These tweets on Grosjean winning the poll. Uh, Scuba Steve 85, someone should give this rookie a shot in F1. <laughs> uh, Chucky WX. Where he was six months ago, and today, bravo, Ro- Romain, Roman? Uh, Roman. Roman. Roman Grosjean. Vicky Lynn, 26. That was completely unexpected. Holy crap. Yes, that that was, it kind of sums up how I felt in the moment. It was, it was uh, shocking. Yeah. Um, this one, this is a bold call. This is, again, early, you know, right before the race. But Zach Curley, 8771, I'm calling it now. If Grosjean wins a race this year, and performs pretty well overall, and is willing to do ovals, he's replacing Pagenaud at Penske next year. Ooh. Silly season talk. It's early. Hey, hey. never too early. But, um, man, I don't know. That would be a surprising hire, in my opinion. But impossible? No. no not impossible. Uh, Scuba Steve 85. Uh, this was after VK won the race Saturday. Are we allowed to talk about the Young Guns taking over now? <laughs> yes. Yes, we, we are. We threw it out there at the beginning of the year. We weren't ready to hand it over, but um, I am being convinced through the first five races of the season. And then Chucky WX responded, yes, but only after we talk about a third OEM international races, <laughs> the split in Milwaukee, Michigan, and Cleveland. <laughs> yep, it does not make the cut above those other ones, for true, sure. True, true. He gets the show. All and right. unprecedented times. we got to yes, that before yes. we forget. We are still yes. living in unprecedented times. You know, just because some some standards and some mandates have changed, it's still unprecedented. Definitely unprecedented. We're, we're not back to precedented times just yet. Yeah, not we're yet. close. Getting closer. Some places are living in precedented times, so to speak. But, yeah. But not yet. But not yet here. Not yet here. Uh, <laughs> rate the race. Uh, responses. Pochevchenko, another seven. It is one of the better indie GPs, some unpredictability, good first-time winner. Won't say Seb Bourdais should have gotten out of Grosjean's way, but I think it would have been a more exciting finish if he did. Uh, Vicky Lynn, 26. Uh, I was thinking the same uh, since Seb was a lap down. Would have been a battle at the end. Uh, Jamin, T14, seven from an in-person perspective. Watching the strategy play out at the track is always fun. Plus, you get to see good battles. Montoya needs to be in every race with the car slightly off the pace. Hashtag elbows out. Yeah. Seeing Grosjean lap Montoya was just, like, mind-blowing. Right? And it, it was weird. People, you know, being so shocked that Juan Pablo Montoya was struggling with pace. <laughs> and it was like, the guy has not been in a 
IndyCar in what four years? Yeah. I mean, come on. The guy is dealing with you know an aero screen. The guy had never been in a car with an aero screen, an IndyCar, let alone everything else. So I was not surprised in the least that he was struggling. This from Hunter's Way 67, seven and a half. Decent race, not a ton of action, but cool strategies going on. I think Dale left Romain out too long in the first stint, and it cost him in the end. Really bummed for Connor and Jack. In fact, I think Harvey was headed for his first win until that bobble in pit lane. Yeah, I mentioned earlier, I, I agree with you on uh, Harvey. Uh, Vicky Lynn, 26, gave it a 7. Did not expect Grosjean to almost run away with it. Really happy for VK. Kind of disappointing the Penske boys, minus Scotty. They're usually so much better there. Got it for Jack Harvey. He had a great race going. Uh, DC Soda gave it an 8. Solid racing. Very impressive drive by VK. Super bummed for Daly at the start, though. Wanted to see what he could do. NK Harden gave it a 7. This race is always so clean that it can produce runaway wins sometimes. Uh, race almost had that, yet still showed well on TV. I think NBC covered it well, too. No poorly timed breaks, and they seem to catch most moments. Agreed. Yeah. Broadcast, I yep. thought, was Very solid. Good. Uh, according to Stitch, 7.5, good race, but full-on rain would have made it an 11. Yeah, it was sprinkling. We yeah, didn't touch on this. It was sprinkling were, where I was at, was off it? and on, but never enough to like make you concerned that it would impact the race. No, and that was one part of the NBC broadcast that I kind of rolled my eyes at because you know they were talking about sprinkling and you know rain could be coming and all that stuff. And they show the radar and there's, it wasn't even close. It was well, like, okay, at, at one point... It was green over the entire speedway on the radar, and I was looking on my phone. Oh, yeah, but it just but wasn't in the ground? It, yeah, there's just, I mean, it was very intermittent sprinkles, so it wasn't really much of a factor. Intermittent sprinkles. Isn't that the name of your band? No, but uh, it could be. <laughs> I like it. Jeremy from HBG, 8.5. Due to some recent issues, I did not have social media going during the race. Probably increased my opinion of the race. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Chucky WX, 8. A fifth of the grid has won a race. No Penske's. Something. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, how would you rate the race? Uh, I would put it a 7, I feel. I would agree. Yeah. I would uh, also give it a 7. Uh, it passes for the lead. Um, action throughout the field, some drama, some unexpectedness. Uh, all around, it was a good show. It's it's probably the second best Indy Grand Prix I can remember, other than 2019. Yeah, other than 2019, I would uh, I would say so. I, the first year was pretty exciting with the standing start with mess. With the chaos that was. <laughs> well, Sebastian Saavedra, there's a name yeah. for you. Um, let's see, more tweets. Uh, according to Stitch, looking at the, the standings, there's still a big three in IndyCar, but I don't think Andretti Autosport is one of them. Yeah, we did uh, mention that. Zach Curley, 8771, uh, responding saying, that team needs to make some tough decisions, go to three cars, and really focus their resources. Herta and Rossi seem semi-consistently held back by their machinery. I don't, you know, I we don't said know. last year that we thought if they reduced, you know, cars and went to four, that would help, and... Well, they did that in the off season. Yeah. Last year, it seemed like the cars just weren't fast outside of the 500. This year, I don't know if that's so much the issue. I think it's just the drivers are not putting themselves in good positions. I mean, you can only blame the team for so long, especially when one of your other drivers is having success in Golden Herda. You know what I mean? 
So at some point, you have to look inwardly and saying, okay, what am I not doing? And maybe it's we're exhausting everything and you just need to change the scenery or a new voice or whatever. I think we're reaching that point with Alexander Rossi, but I don't think we can say they're getting inferior equipment or inferior setups because Colton Herta doesn't seem to be having a problem. All right. You posted a poll. I did. driver results? On Saturday's uh, GMR Grand Prix, surprised you the most. 33% said VK in first. 31% said Montoya 21st. 27% said Grosjean in second. 9% said Dixon in ninth. Jamin T14, entire AMSP team was slow. You can attribute Harvey Daly and others to circumstance, but Juan and company were just surprisingly off pace. Yeah, Pato, remember, had to take the escape road on the opening lap with that tangle. Rosenquist was just... I don't know. Invisible? <laughs> yeah. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Poet Shevchenko is an honorable mention. Is Ray Hall to fifth? The Marvel fuel-saving strategy? Yes. According to Sitch, I thought Grosjean would be capable of a podium or two this year, but not in his third race. Yeah. You know, we, we thought that he could maybe slip into a podium, but I think he's well ahead of the schedule that we expected going into the season. Absolutely. I mean, he's exceeded expectations, and really has brought a breath of fresh air into the series that um that we didn't realize we were missing. I feel, you know, these guys are 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 really, you know, down to earth and easy to talk to and but I feel like we also point and say, "Man, we wish you had some personalities." And, you know, I think Grosjean maybe not the, uh, you know, the personality we with the abrasive type personality we feel like we need one or two of those in the series but it's definitely a refreshing personality that Grosjean brings and you can't help but root for him and I think that's that's something in particular too that um you're having a tough time finding people out there right about now that are rooting against Roman Grosjean I I mean is is there anyone rooting against if you are you don't have a soul (laughs) there you go (laughs) (laughs) all right uh, you posted your weekly uh, tweet on the the I don't even know the the cesspool that is the mailbag (laughs) (laughs) it's a good word for it I mean that's not that's that's not Robin's fault to be clear I just feel like it's becoming a a farce at this point. <laughs> like, how many of these are really serious? <laughs> or how many of these are they printing knowing that they're not serious? It's getting clicks, though, and it's getting people I to know, talk about it. <laughs> I know, for all the wrong reasons, though. <laughs> Our call said, Young Guns, check. Need more ovals, check. Jimmy Johnson, check. Uh, Tyler underscore Allen. I quit reading it because it's always the same. Yes, I also want more ovals. Yes, I'd also love MIS. No, the TV package isn't great. Correct? It used to be a full month. Now it's not. Move on. The heyday of the 90s was 30 years ago. Again, move on. No F1 doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, they like the first couple of pages was whining about lack of ovals. And, you know, none of these people, we talked about it last, last week, Caleb. Look, don't whine if you don't go. There's just not enough people that go to ovals, period. So um, you know it's bad uh, in the mailbag when a question about cicada swarms <laughs> is not the most outlandish letter in the mailbag for the week. And to be honest, I mean, I laughed and then seeing some of these photos about with cicadas, you know, swarms and stuff elsewhere. I mean, I guess it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. I, but I, I laughed, but I also thought, huh, that is an interesting point. I mean, right? I mean... 
unlike you know several of the other letters where I was just laughed at the absurdity, I laughed at the absurdity, then thought about it and said, well, you know, it is 2021. And we're just getting through a pandemic. Who, you know, of course it's cicada time. Of course it's time for a plague, right? Yeah, of course. Anyway, um, let's see. That pretty much uh, wraps up the mailbag. So thanks to everyone. I mean, I, it's May, so I'm not getting to every single comment or question. Uh, just understand that uh, thanks for your tweets. Uh, oh, wait, we do have an email. How did I forget about this? Uh, this from James emailing us. Guys, love your podcasts. Okay, question number one. Who's the most snake pit, I mean snake bit, driver of the modern uh, late 70s to today era as far as winning it all? Oh, please. Second place at the 500 again. Not named Andretti. Oh. <laughs> so this is a good question. He said, Scott Goodyear, Roberto Guerrero, question mark. Not uh, the the obvious is, is of course Michael Andretti. Um, well, yeah, yeah, but we yeah. can't go with that. So, hmm, Goodyear's a good option. I want to see if there's a better one. I mean, it would have been Tony Kanaan had he not won yeah. it. Finally, is it Marco? Well, crap, I can't. His last name is Andretti. No fair. No, no, he, he. Oh, yeah, you're right because we're thinking Michael, but also Marco. Um, I mean, it, Joseph Newgarden is he there yet? I don't know nah, if he's there yet. I don't think so. Um, I mean, who holds the record now for most starts? Is it Michael without a win? But who's second, I guess? I don't know. I mean, you could throw in Ed Carpenter, three poles, uh, let some yeah. laps, second and 18. Yeah, um, he could be up there. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like Goodyear, if it's not an Andretti, I feel like Goodyear is the next guy. Yeah, probably. Um, Kevin Kogan, <laughs> <laughs> that damn Coogan. Um, yeah, I would say probably. I'd go with Goodyear. Um, man, I mean, you look. I'm just looking at some casual races or so uh, casual stats here of uh, most races led, most Indy 500s led. Mario's. At, it has 11. The most is Tony Kanaan at 14. Um, most consecutive races led. Um, uh, Sneva won the race in what, 82, 83? 83, because 82 would have been John Cock. Yeah. Um, so I'm just looking some some random stats here to see if there's anything in here. Uh, most race starts, um, you know, uh, but George Snyder has the most starts without winning. Of course, you know, remember Ziggy, Star- Ziggy Snyder, who uh, his best finish was eighth in the 75 Indianapolis 500. Uh, and you could throw out Lloyd Ruby, but he doesn't meet the era that he's mentioning. Right, right, right. Because so, I think that'd be another name. Yeah. I'm going with Goodyear. I think Goodyear. I think the guy. that's a safe bet. Yeah. I mean, he, but he, it's a fascinating question. For it sure. is. It's a it's a good question. All right. So that that wraps up the mailbag. Um, time to get to Indy 500. We we shift forward. We've had a several days of practice, relatively drama free, minus uh, you know Top Gun racing, what they're doing, not doing, up until this morning, and uh, then we had the green flag go out at noon today. Thursdays we record. 
And, well, it, we finally had some intrigue. <laughs> yeah, we did. I mean, uh, I don't want to say boring was the right word for the last couple of days, but uneventful. Yes. Which, you know, to a certain extent is good. I don't want to see crashes all over the place. But I also, you know, it adds a level of intrigue when you head into Fast Friday and into qualifying weekend where drivers or your teams are trying to rebuild cars or something or engine blows or something that adds an extra layer and you know for the first the early part of this week we didn't have that yeah so to start off practice today we have all three ray hall cars trying to do a photo op on a hot track green flag is out you have scott mclaughlin exiting turn four the ray hall cars nearing the start finish line and you have colton herta who is accelerating out of turn four for a lap he gets squeezed by McLaughlin and narrowly avoids really some serious damage. Um, again, Herta and McLaughlin, not, I mean, they're, they're not mad at each other. They're mad about the situation. Initially, Herta was mad at yeah. McLaughlin and D- Simona de Silvestro. He didn't realize the entire issue, though. Yes. And then we uh, have Santino Ferrucci crashing, what, a little after 4.30 yeah. local time. This afternoon um, at the exit of two, in fact, crashing pretty hard. He went to the hospital uh, for some imaging tests. He he should be okay to get back in the car. Um, But again, they kind of did some some extra work and they believe they can fix the primary car. So, I mean, one side had significant damage. The other, the rest of it looked relatively unscathed. I mean, I got to say the the issue this morning was could have been a lot worse yes and you know ray all letterman landing and uh, uh, complaining that they're even being punished um it could have been a lot more severe for drivers and it could have been a lot more severe punishment for rll and colton herda you know tweeting back at some fans saying spotters can't help a 100 mile per hour closing speed unfortunately it you know that that is the safety aspect that we're talking about but ray hall ended up being punished Basically, not long after practice ended, or was it like right before? Yeah. Uh, a 30-minute time penalty for all of their entries tomorrow. So that's pretty significant. Uh, I mean, you see the occasional five-minute penalty for you know some weird pit violation. But 30 minutes, I mean, that's pretty significant. Uh, and a lot of people would say, well, what about... Uh, you know, Penske, they did the photo shoot the other day. The difference is that was during install laps. Install and it was laps. It was specified yes. as install laps. As specified as install laps. Nobody was going in speed. You have RLL doing some clown show on the front stretch trying to get a fancy photo when you have other cars at speed on track. It was stupid. It was ridiculous. Take your punishment because it really could have... Uh, seriously led to, to some banged up race cars at the very least because you're trying to get a photograph. It's a joke. And uh, Bob Rahal responding saying, we're going to miss 30 minutes of practice. You mean for what Roger did the day before or Roger's team, I should say, that's disappointing. Graham Rahal uh, saying, uh, <laughs> use your head. Um, I mean, 
I just, I, I, I just don't know. take the point. If the situation was reversed, like I know they're trying to speak up, but you, you're done screwed up. You're, you're piddle farting around on a racetrack. You know, Bobby Rahal, one of his quotes, quote, maybe some people shouldn't be in such a rush. Maybe their spotters <laughs> should be more aware. It's a racetrack during practice, and you're out there piddle farting around trying to get a photo. Again, on a green track that was not, if they were doing install laps or something, you know, that would be specified via race control. And this was practice is open, green flag is out. Let's yeah, go. And you have cars that are going, you know, it's just, it's stupid. There's no way to defend it. Just shut up and sit down for a half hour tomorrow because it could have resulted in some completely wrecked race cars and potentially injuries with especially where that happened coming out of turn four you have slow cars in front of you uh it could have been a heck of a lot worse because you're trying to get a picture i mean this is a team that's won multiple indy 500 championships and they're looking for a photo op if if top gun was out there trying to get a photo by themselves in the auto bricks okay but come on you've won indy 500s what are you doing just also, stop. The the yellow flag ruined their picture. <laughs> yeah, right. So, serves you right and then maybe a little bit of karma. Look, I'm absolutely glad that Santino Ferrucci is not injured or anything. Sounds like he'll be fine, but there's a little bit of karma there potentially that that uh, RL has to uh scramble tonight to rebuild a car considering they about led at least one other driver to have to completely build, rebuild a car. Yeah. So, I I mean they Hey, at least they have an extra half hour to get the car ready. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Should be no excuse now, heading into Fast Friday. Uh, so that is the the main uh, drama, I think, so far in practice. Also, I think the other thing, and, you know, I I don't want to say it's an afterthought, but I guess it was expected. NTT re-upping a multi-year agreement. No terms as far as the years, as far as the amount of money, but re-upping as the series title sponsor. This is good. Um I guess it's just kind of hard because NTT is not a name brand in America. So I think it's kind of hard for us to see the impact that they've had outside of, and I mean, this is big, opening up the IndyCar app to more than just Verizon customers. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good. good. And again, we, we had read Sports Business Journal recently. They expected the title sponsor deal to be done soon as well. So check on that box. Next up, the TV deal. It's It's good. I mean... Continuity is good, but you know, I brought this up to you, Caleb, earlier. Like, I couldn't tell you how my fan viewership has been impacted by NTT data since they've been sponsors. I mean, it hasn't really been impacted a lot. They had that special thing for the 500, which was awesome. It was really cool. But again, Um, we need that for more than just the 500. Like, I thought last year that was going to be the start of it for every race. And I'm sure. Uh, it takes a lot to do that, but that's the stuff we're looking for, right? To kind of set yourself apart. It's really cool to have that. I never open the app ever, I except when I'm checking app. it for a schedule. I, I use, yeah, I use it for that. I use it all the time when I'm at the racetrack, though. Now, granted, I've been a Verizon customer for a very long time, so the the switch out, you know, to uh, making it open to everyone, it didn't, obviously yeah. didn't impact me. Right. But that is a key thing. I think the app is great when you're at the track because you can actually follow stuff. No, I get I get it for sure. And you know, but I am watching from home. I never have the app open, but when I watched the 500 last year I did. It was cool. So, you know, it was a lot of yeah, business speak today, a lot of 
you know, words technological and technology and, you know, in, in future and all this stuff, like keywords. Partner, client. Right. But in the end, I don't know what NTT data is really providing to the fan outside of what we saw at the 500 last year and you know the infusion of money into the series like i just don't see where the partnership is you mentioned it in terms of activation with verizon we saw a heck of a lot more with verizon than we do ntt data now some of that is it's an overseas company i get that but at the same time where are these technological advances for the fan at or is it just going to come around one day a year well ntt data is the is one of the subsidiaries, and that's like the big American arm of the company. But NTT, true, is like they do everything. They're more than just a Verizon. They're like Verizon, AT and T, and T Mobile combined. Right is basically, I think, how someone kind of described in one time. So yeah, so it's good that the checks keep coming. Absolutely, um, I would push for a Jap Japan race because of this. If, the, if their relationship continues. But all the speak coming out today about how great the partnership has been, you know, other than monetarily, I really haven't seen an impact. But if you're listening and know directly, you know, what NTT has done to help the series and help fans like us, please let us know. Okay, so I think we, we got that out of the way as far as the the drama and also kind of the, the big story. I mean, it is big that they have retained a title sponsor. I mean, it's... We've almost overlooked it because this hasn't happened in, I don't know, the post-split era? Has yeah, it right. Not? I mean, seriously. Yeah. Izod didn't re-up. I don't, Verizon didn't re-up. No. Cat Boys, Northern Lights. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going down. Uh, then, then you had FedEx. I don't know if FedEx re-upped with CART. I thought it was around for... They were up on. for... FedEx was, what, like four years, maybe? They may have re-upped. I'm not sure. But yeah. That might be the only one. Uh, obviously, it was PPG for a long time for the PPG car, IndyCar World Series or whatever in the, the 80s and 90s. Uh, but, I mean, that's that's a big deal. To retain a title sponsor, that means that the terms were good for both sides and they were able to, to hammer out a deal. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's a good thing. We'll, we'll take it for sure. All right, on the track today, yes. we, we mentioned the drama at the start. We mentioned Santino Ferrucci and his issues. Really looking at it this week, uh, it just seems, and we were talking you know, before the episode, just doesn't seem like we have a clear idea of who is quick and who is not. Uh, mm-hmm. I understand you know, looking at the combined speed chart that R.C. Anderson is in last, but he had some no-toe laps faster than some guys. And with their limited track time, I mean, they have 50 official laps all month because the ROP laps do not count. But he's still running 217. I mean, he's not that far off the pace. Um, If they can trim out the car more, I mean, I think he can still make it. It's the first time since I can remember at least several years where we entered Fast Friday and headed into the weekend where, like I said earlier, we didn't have a good idea of who was going to miss the race. At least one. Like, we've been arguing over R.C. Enerson a fair amount of the week, Caleb. You're still in the R.C. Enerson camp. Well, I mean, I'm rooting for the little team, I'll be honest. Uh, You know, but he's shown speed, um, at least enough to be competitive heading in to the weekend. Um, 
He's down at the end, the bottom of the speed charts, but when you factor in toe or no toe, uh, he's not dead last, or he's not you know five miles miles per hour behind like he is when you look at the combined results of practice sheet. So he still is on my list of potentials to not make the race, but I don't think it's a definite that he misses. Uh, so I don't really know what to expect. It's tough for me to look at the chart, whether it's toe or no toe, and really start making predictions. Because as you said, Caleb, I, I don't think we've seen any type of consistency throughout the week of any team. I, I think, you know, yeah, Ganassi has been up there, and there's been days where, you know, Penske was was messing around up there. So uh, I think every day is different, and we're seeing changing conditions, too. We started the week with cool, relative cool temperatures, right? Now it's heating up. Today was hot. Tomorrow's supposed to be warmer. Weekend's supposed to be even warmer. I mean, we're topping out close to 90 this weekend. So it just keeps getting warmer and warmer. With that, the cars change and setups change. And I think all of these all these teams are really trying to chase it right now and find that speed. And it's pretty unpredictable right now. Unpredictable. Also, you mentioned with the, the temperatures. I mean, we had the track temps hit 120 today for the first time. Um, it's going to be really hot this weekend. I mean, hotter than it's even been recently the past seven. I mean, we're pushing mid to upper 80s is the expected forecast. It is getting hot. So could we see even more issues as far as grip goes, too? I mean, with the expanded boost, you would think that we could see some some lap times. I mean, what could we hit 2... 32 maybe no i I just i'm just saying in practice we could see a 232 tomorrow for sure in tow in tow yeah i I, yeah i think a 232 is possible i would suspect closer to 231s um and what do you think you know pole speed at this point i'm thinking like 228 no i'm thinking 230 point you know like five six seven somewhere in that range all right what are you what are you thinking? Whatever. I'm gonna go two thirty point four. Okay. I'll go two thirty point seven for the average. Okay. All right. There it is, folks. Uh who do you think wins the poll? Oh man. I have no clue. I don't know. Um if if you told me to Whew. I don't even know. At this point, if if I had to put money on somebody, thankfully I don't. Um, Ed Carpenter? <laughs> no, I just ah, uh, uh, shoot, it's tough. I'm looking at the list, and I'm you know, I'm going to say Scott Dixon because <laughs> <laughs> because Scott Dixon. <laughs> he's the only one that jumps out to me as a, as somebody that I feel like could be on pole right now i mean i, I chances are somebody else i get it but um i'm finding holes in everybody else's game i'm gonna go scott dixon my second choice would be pato award and i know that arrow has kind of been chasing it this weekend but i'm saying pato likes to sling it around the track going fast almost dangerously fast i could see him putting together four laps and winning the pole i'm gonna go uh stay with the same team as far as your pole pick i'm gonna go with alex Pillow. okay and I then mean, I think shock me. I think Erickson, Carpenter, and Tony Kanon. I mean, of course, Scott Dixon is going to be be in the midst, but I, I just think Ganassi and Carpenter; those are the two teams that have really stood out to me so far. I mean, if you're looking to potentially make some money on this race, Tony Kanon is not a bad pick at yeah, all. Yeah, I think 
I think people are underestimating his chances being back in a Ganassi car. I mean, look, he was last with Ganassi in 2017. He led some laps that race. Um, I can't remember where he finished. 2017. Uh, don't tell me. Let's see if I can guess. He crashed, did he not? Uh, yes. He finished like 28th? Uh, no. 17? Yeah. No, you're thinking 18. Uh, okay. So 17, then he finished like 8th or so, but he led some laps. He was 5th in 17. Oh, okay. That's even better. He was I... 25th in 18. Okay. In 18, he led laps in a Foyt car. Uh-huh. So, Which is amazing. <laughs> yes. And then finished in the top 10 in a Foyt car one year later. Correct. So I, I think Kanan has a really good chance, not just of, you know, winning the race, you know, with a not a one-off, but you know, a limited entry. But also, I think he has a legitimate shot at the pole. Like he's won the pole before, so this would yeah. not be unprecedented. It uh, would not be in these unprecedented times. It could be something precedent. Um, but if you're looking at race winners, and uh, we may as well just touch on this right now. Um, with the Indy car bets that are right now, Tony Kanaan is going at a plus eighteen hundred. I thought it'd be worse, um, but he's at plus eighteen hundred. And I threw this out at you, Caleb, earlier today. And look, I'm not saying this happens, but Simona Di Silvestro is at a plus forty thousand with a a car that a car that yes is a one car team, but they're. They have a technical partnership with Penske. Anybody with an alliance with Penske, I feel, should have odds better than forty plus forty thousand. That's a five dollar bet that pays you over two thousand dollars. I'm just saying that's, that I put five dollars on it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, okay, I'm not picking Simona Di Silvestro to win the race, uh, but with that te- Penske alliance, I feel like they don't have any trouble making the race and crazier things have happened she's currently you know this is through the practice sessions leading into fast friday she's currently only p26 but again um who knows how much because a lot of cars haven't even done you know qualifying sims yeah sims yet i mean that will happen tomorrow if Uh, you can get but even then it's tough to get quality sims um, in on a busy track, it's tough to find that clear well, track, right? It's it's not going to be as busy for at least the first half hour. So I, I mean, know, you'll, but you'll you'll have have people need to get out there. Because opportunity. <laughs> that's the thing we've seen the last couple. Of, this is what's weird about the 500 now, when you really don't have a lot of practice time. Is the the week starts? You're off Monday. You get in Tuesday. You go through, you know, refreshers and all that stuff, and you're going, okay, uh, it, you know, we got all week, and then you get into Wednesday, and you're like, you know, we still got plenty of time, and then you get into Thursday, and you're like, oh, crap, like, Fast Friday's tomorrow, and then you get Fast Friday, and then you're like, oh, crap, qualifying's tomorrow, so I really think we we see the mode of the week go from we have plenty of time to, oh, crap, we're up against it in a really short amount of time in my opinion. So, you know, I heard a couple of drivers earlier this week, you know, it's early, we'll find it. And then, especially if you mix in a weather day some years where you miss a Wednesday or a Thursday, uh, it can get really stressful later in that week. So um, I I think there's a fair amount of drivers that still haven't been able to put a true quality sim together. And I think there's going to be a fair amount of drivers that will not be able to get a single one in until they are on track on Saturday qualifying. This just in, Santino Ferrucci, 
has been checked and released from the hospital, but not cleared to drive at the moment. That will be reevaluated Friday. So at least he's out of the hospital. Good news there. That was a pretty hard hit. It was. And the way he was um, being carried off, just not putting any weight on that left foot was a little bit concerning, particularly because it wasn't a headfirst entry into the wall. So um, it was it was it'll be interesting to hear from him how he injured that foot, considering he really backed it into the wall. Yes, with force, but it wasn't like the uh, front crunched in. All right. So we made our our poll picks. Uh, What about who gets bumped? Also, I think this is pretty tough. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to change it. What did I say? Enerson and Kellett? Yeah. They're the bottom two on the speed charts with a toe. Uh, not sure where they're at with no toe, but I'm going to stick to my guns and take those two. Foyt has struggled with speed off and on, and R.C. Enerson has only had 50 combined laps this week. Uh, new team, struggling. You know, When they're on track, they look competent. They don't look horrible. They don't look great, but they're competent. But, you know, the lack of laps, all it takes is one wheel put wrong and and Enerson into the wall, and now then where are they at? So I'm still going Enerson and Kellett. All right. I said going into it, I said Chilton and, who did I say, Fittipaldi? Yes. Uh, Fittipaldi is currently P33. Chilton is P30. You know what? I'm just gonna stick with my picks. Good. Yes, we're not gonna do. We're not gonna chase it. Uh, we're gonna stick. To, I, I think all four of those drivers that we named um, have struggled at times this week. So uh, I still feel like those are solid picks in terms of potential bump drivers. I think I'm. You know, I'm sentimental about Top Gun because I want to see him make the race. Um, they were good enough, no toe, to make it uh, most of the day. I don't know how they finished up, but they were competitive. As far as the speeds go, no toe. So, obviously, we'll hopefully see them get more track time. I mean, 50 laps is it. Uh, that's all yeah. they have. And, and that's not good. So, um, But, you know, no toe is just one lap. You know, you have to put four laps together during qualifying. So, even the no toe speeds can be a little bit deceptive because we're not seeing a full qual sim from a lot of these drivers. At least not yet. Uh, of notes, and uh, IndyCar Deep Throw also uh, message me about this the cody Ware 52 car at ims it came into the track this morning also david lane tweeting out a picture that the car has cody Ware's name on it it is the 52 this car can't enter the race as far as we know i'm guessing it is a spare for a different entry correct yeah i feel like it's a backup to uh fittipaldi's car if anything happens they have an on-site backup um, or if you know a crash happens similar to a um, uh, Ferrucci today, where it's not a total loss, and they can rebuild the car. They can, you know, salvage some pieces off that other fifty-two car and put them in. So momentary excitement, I feel. But then once you kind of start thinking about it, it makes sense to have that car in there for sure. And I'm just going to rattle through some some sponsor announcements. Of course, there are a lot, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more next week too. Uh, Rick Ware Racing announcing their military salutes program. They're saluting the Coast Guard, a new look for the 51 car that Pietro Fittipaldi's driving. Also, NTT data on Alex Pelot's car. That that looks good with the white and the light blue. I feel like every car, though, has that color combo. Ferrucci's car with Hy-Vee and Mountain Dew. That is cool. Um, not as cool, though, after today is the crash. <laughs> look kind of rushed, but but it will be it will be all right come tomorrow. The uh, kind of tiger print uh, Aero McLaren SP car. Still not uh, sure how I feel about those. 
uh, with uh, Felix Rosenquist, partnership with Undefeated Inc. and Undefeated, an authentic lifestyle brand and sneaker store inspired by is. sports, art, music, and street culture. Yeah, sure. Why not? Whatever that means. Um, but car looks cool. At least I think so. Um, let's see. What other cars do we have? Let's see. There are several. Really? Was that? That was really it. Okay. Uh, it seemed like there were a lot more than that. I know <laughs> Stefan Wilson had like another sponsor he added on. Um, J.R. Hildebrand did uh, the, the cross-country drive. 1,100 miles. And he drove with a special car, and I know he posted on Instagram what kind of car that it was. Was that the car he rebuilt? I'm trying to remember which one it was. I'm not sure, but it's it's a a classic car. It's very cool. Very nice. It, it looked like a boat. I think it was. Hold on, let me let me see what it is. It was a '60 Cadillac. Ooh, uh, light pink, dubbed Rosie. By its previous owner. All right. So, very cool car, indeed. And it died on the side of the road in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they made it. Yeah. And he, uh, thankfully to Alex's radiator and repair in Goodland, Kansas, <laughs> uh, he was uh, able to get that fixed and get to Indy. Grosjean's F1 test with Mercedes, that will go on despite the French GP date change. So, the original demo run canceled. But still doing the test. The uh, road to any season finale has been moved to mid-Ohio after they had to adjust. And that was due to the... Was that due to Toronto getting canceled? Yes. Okay. Um, let's see what else we have out there. Mentioned the Hildebrand. Oh, $380,000 bonus from Borg Warner if Sato can repeat as a back-to-back really? winner. They keep upping that every year, I think. I think I'll next year that. it's... $400,000. So it hasn't been done since Elio, right? Correct. Uh, we both mentioned this. Uh, Jimmy Allen, who's apparently a country singer, will be singing the national anthem for the Indy 500. Never heard of him, Me but he's neither. apparently a platinum-selling artist. So I mean, I listen to a, lot, a decent amount of country, and I've never heard of this guy. Um so it's I his mean, big break. Yeah, sure. Apparently, I just I you know country music star is kind of tough for me to 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 swallow. I mean, uh, Kane Brown. I know who Kane Brown is. I mean, I would have gotten him. So um, if you're going, you know, I don't know if it was intentional to get a black country singer. I don't know if, it, but I, Kane Brown. I know who Kane Brown is, but I don't know who this guy is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I also know who Kane Brown is. Like I wouldn't know a picture, but I know the yeah. name. I mean, Darius Rucker. Did he do it once? Uh, I'm not sure. I thought he's been I, around I, the 500 I, in some capacity. Yeah, but I, I think can't he has. How. But um, no, it's uh, I. I mean, it's cool. Whatever. I just I I kind of scoffed at the country music star type. And thing. then Danica Patrick driving the pace car, which cool. That's fine with me. I that's fine. It's a good tie-in I'm, with the broadcast partner to absolutely. probably try to keep them a part of the series. In yeah, the a little bit. They're all bone <laughs> a little bit, but you know, um, but yeah, you know, she's. She's good around the track, and she's popular, and so I'm perfectly fine with it. And she'll be a good ambassador for it. So, went all around, in my opinion. I would agree there. Uh, Ray Hall Letterman, Lanigan Racing, before all the craziness of uh, practice day three, they broke ground on a new headquarters in Zionsville. That was earlier this week. Uh, 100,000 square foot uh, facility, create more than 70 new jobs by 2024, $20 million investment 
So they're building a new shop. So that's and, exciting. And moving their shop from Ohio, which I yes. always forgot that it was in Ohio. So, well, I think they moved it from Ohio. Was there? But I think they have like a like the IndyCar shop. I think was moved to Indy from right, right, but new not Albany, everything. But not not everything. Yeah, but everything will come correct here in this one. Yes. All right. Um, and. Uh, Doug Bowles says to expect an announcement about a race on the dirt track at IMS soon, that courtesy of Trackside Online. A NASCAR dirt, ra- dirt race? No, just the... I like, know. The, just <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jenna Fryer, uh, the pull award of the inaugural Music City Grand Prix will be the Brian Clausen Pole Trophy. Um, Very cool. That is cool news. That August 7th is when that will be presented during qualifying. That's the five-year anniversary of Clausen's death. So that is a cool story there. Um, let's see, just a few other news and notes to get to. Um, Ed Carpenter, I saw a separate article on this on Speed Sport, but Ed Carpenter, this is from Nathan Brown of the Indy Star. Ed Carpenter comments on today's local news uh, that Marion County's mask mandate will be lifted June 7th, not in time for race day. Ed saying, quote, I thought we were following CDC guidelines. That's all I'll say. <laughs> he has a point. Yes. He has bet. a point. I am kind of surprised, but I guess also not. When you're having 135, when you're having the biggest event since the pandemic began in the United States, I really don't have a problem with asking people to wear masks. But as somebody who's been to a couple different events where masks were quote unquote mandatory, uh, it's not. <laughs> I mean, the only place that I've heard that has had a policy like that and is very strict about it is um, the you know, Pacers. As the Pacers yeah. are, are but very indoor, stringent. Indoor is way different than outdoor. And, yeah, I absolutely. mean, look, hardly anyone was wearing a mask Saturday. Yeah. I mean, we went to the, tin, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps game. Yeah. And we started with our masks on, and we would still put them up when we kind of walked around, but by and large... Uh, there weren't people walking around yelling at people for put their ass on. So correct, not not a huge thing, I guess. And again, we're both fully vaccinated, so it's like it's not like you can guilt us either. Nope. at this point, <laughs> can't do it. It's on you if you get it from me. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything that we uh, missed? Yes, we missed our random driver of Ooh, the week. Yes. So we're going to go way back here uh, to the 90s and 80s uh, for Dennis Vitolo. Oh, yeah. I recall the name. Now, Uh, did he race during the split era in either series? He raced in the Indy Racing League in 1997. Oh, I did not know that. So he raced. It was just one season. In fact, he just did one race. Perfect find. Uh, And then uh, raced in kart. Uh, 88 through 99, and then was in the IRL in 90s, or well, did the Indy 500 in 96. Of course, everybody remembers uh, Mr. Vitolo. Uh, he, re- he had 36 career starts uh, with a variety of teams. Now, didn't isn't he the one who crashed with Michael Mansell? Yes, he did. That's his <laughs> most infamous uh Part of, uh, in of IndyCar lore, 94, 94 Indy 500, 500. Yeah. taking out... Nigel Mansell uh, in an incident that occurred under caution. Uh, I think he ran into the back of him, didn't he? I think so, yes. Um, yeah, so uh, was also his career best kart finish was seventh in the what race? Long Beach Grand Prix. No, don't the, uh, the, the second best ever event? The Marlboro Challenge. The U.S. Grand Prix finished seventh. 
1997. Wait, you mean the US 500? Yes, the US 500, okay. sorry, okay. at Michigan <laughs> in uh, 1997. Of course, with Peyton Coin Racing. Oh, that yeah, was when that's Walter right. Peyton was involved. Blast from Remember the past. That? So, uh, his uh, best finish uh, in uh, IndyCar was a 25th. Well, you mean the IRL. The IRL, yes. <laughs> um, but um, raced for Bettenhausen Racing, Dale Coyne, Walker Racing, Dick Simon Racing, Pagan Racing, of course, one of your favorites. Project I don't even know Indy that team name. I remember Peyton, Project Indy. And Peyton Coyne Racing. He is 64 now, and he retired in 1999. Again, 36 career starts. And uh, his, his claim to fame, again, taking out Nigel Mansell in 94 under caution. Dennis Vitolo, our random split era IRL slash cart slash champ car driver of the week. Stay tuned next week for another detailed biography of a <laughs> random open wheel driver from All the right. split era. I uh, missed a couple of things on the mailbag. Uh, Joseph underscore bear gave the race a seventh NGGP. Said good race. A lot of new faces up front. Where was Pinsky? Great question. Bombs. Also, Poet Shevchenko uh, said, also, fun note, it went from Penske is the only Chevy team that can win to every Chevy team winning except Penske. I also feel that true. ends relatively soon. And I as soon agree. as two weeks from now, who knows? We'll see. Possibly. All right. So, with that, time for Tweets of the Week, and we have quite a bit. Oh, wait. One more uh, one more mailbag. Uh, this from Daniel, SEM 2004. First time catching the podcast. Um said he's subscribing. gonna listen again yeah he's subscribing so oh wow thank you we appreciate yeah absolutely the support okay tweets of the week we have quite a few first one from indy 44 i'm watching quit calling me it's a picture of gunther steiner <laughs> um d land 91 tony george's team wins at roger pinsky's track yeah that is quite entertaining uh Nathan Brown of the Indy Star by underscore Nathan Brown asking if Indy car teams are looking ahead to make sure the Brudex cicadas won't screw up Indy 500 cards mid race is the most mailbag thing ever. But like I said, that was not the most insane question from the mailbag this week. No. Uh, Scott McLaughlin tweeting. Uh, he's S McLaughlin 93 on Twitter. Hope the photo came out good, LOL. <laughs> and then he tagged Rayal's Diva Cout. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I mean, we can laugh about it, but man, that could have turned out so much worse um let's see what else do we have here there are just there are so many good tweets partly because of that stupid incident yes um, but it was something that we i mean like we said it was very uneventful the first couple days i mean it just got the day off to an interesting start which you know we couldn't say the you know early in the no. week i mean and then the ferrucci thing I don't say we're, you know, we were hoping for a crash. We were just hoping for some sort of intrigue, some sort of drama, some sort of added uh, storyline heading into the latter part of the week. And thankfully, Mr. Ferrucci delivered. That is true. Uh, this from Schultz975, Derek Schultz, uh, indie, uh, former indie radio personality, also does their little show on ISC Sports Network, Aquarian uh, Schultz. Uh, wow, are the cars supposed to be out there on the track for practice or for Instagram posts? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Come Thought on, that people. That was uh, really funny. And the final tweet of the week, courtesy of Connor Daly. It's a racer article on the eve of his 69th IndyCar career start. Connor Daly rolls to a first-ever Firestone Fast 6 appearance on a road course. 
Connor quote tweeting that just saying, nice. And that will wrap up tweets <laughs> of the week. We'll be back next week with plenty of episodes. In fact, we'll do our main episode, normal Thursday night release. We'll have some special episodes to be released, though, during the week before then. And we'll get you set for the 105th Indianapolis 500. Wow, that is just over a week away. That's wild to think about. So that's coming up. Let's do it. We will speak to every single driver starting the race (laughs) next week. Not not quite. Yeah, probably not. but. But we will speak to a few. Yes. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Well, for Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us on another episode of New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.